You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell, I am Dave Griffiths. We're giving Joe Hopkins a well-deserved week off, Mike. Uh, figure he deserves one week if you, if you get married. Congratulations to Joe and Jess. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he is uh, out of touch, as he should be this week. You get, you get one week. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Joe. We'll um, talk a little bit about Colts matchup last week against the Jets. We'll look forward to the game this coming weekend against the Chicago Bears. Um, Details to the game predictions, of course, as well. But uh, also the news around the league and plenty to talk about COVID related this week. We'll get to that in a second. But first, we will begin with last week's game. The Colts dominate the Jets 36 to 7. I think both you and I, Mike, had it very, uh, we picked a resounding Colts win and Joe has still had a 10 point win as well himself. So we kind of got kind of what we expected. It's one of those games, as we were saying, you go in, you feel a little bit nervous, especially after the Jaguars game week one, when you're like, oh, the Colts are big favorites. And then, oh, the Colts did not live up to the expectations. You're like, will they live up to expectations this time? They certainly did with the Jets in town, and and the defense certainly led the way with those takeaways with two interceptions returned for touchdowns. It it was exactly what Colts fans wanted to see. You take on an inferior team, and you show that they're an inferior team. So coming into this week, you think you Colts fans, as these first three weeks, you're certainly the most confident moving forward as you have been um, all year long, even though it's been a short season so far. Yeah, I think we're still waiting for the the offense to – pick things up, you know, they're, they're, they're like, they're, they're last in the league in third downs. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. That's so uncolts like, but what you're encouraged about is the defense. The last two games, what is it? It's, it's six takeaways, six interceptions, safeties the last two weeks. And we go back into the seventies and the sixties when they've had those type of numbers uh, first in the league in total defense, I think they're top five in scoring, which is what you want. And and then there's always a caveat, yeah, but who have you played? Not exactly played the the Ravens and the Chiefs, but but let's give them their due because if they're playing mediocre against these guys, then we're trashing them. So I think we're very – you should be very encouraged by what you've seen, really good pressure up front, big plays on the back end, which are impacted by the play up front. Xavier Rhodes with the, with the two interceptions, he and T.J. Carey with with the pick sixes, and and sort of the hidden the hidden weapon I wrote about for today or yesterday, Rigoberto Sanchez is just playing lights out after not punting at all the first game. He's he's just been he's been really really solid more than that. He, he's I think I looked he's, he he's directly responsible for 11 points, the two safeties, and they got a touchdown on the on the short turnaround against the Jets. So, again, you've got to be encouraged. Now you get these two games on the road with with what you thought was going to be Mitchell Trubisky, and now it's Nick Foles, and then you go to Cleveland. So I, we're going to get a lot better idea of who these guys are and are they a team that can contend for something in December after these next two games. A couple things just noteworthy from this last week as well before we move on, specifically referring to Phillip Rivers, is uh, 400th touchdown pass of his career. He passed Dan Marino in completions and also passed 60,000 yards. So uh, all these real big career accolades and talking to him post game, it's I mean, it's, it's obvious with every like with every player, you'll say that they don't matter as much as wins. And Philip has kind of been like that. But he's also said, yeah, they do matter um, for sure. He, you acknowledge that these things are, are relevant and. Uh, it's funny, the, the Colts sent out a, uh, a Philip Rivers mic'd up, and after his touchdown pass to Mo Alley, he turned to one of the trainers, and he's like, you got that ball, right? Or one of the equipment guys, you, you got that ball. Yes, uh, yes, you, uh, he, he knew where he was for sure. But um, the, this is just, it, it. we've talked a little bit about Philip Rivers throughout the offseason and his career, and I think one of the most impressive things about his career is his longevity and his being on the field. In a game where the quarterback takes so many hits, takes just gets beat up, um, even if you're behind a great offensive line, you're going to take some hits here and there, but his start streak, I don't know what it is. I don't have it right in front of me, but I know it's one of the longest in NFL history. I think it's uh, trailing, uh, just, just a couple guys. So you, you've seen Philip Rivers uh, under center week after week after week. And that's one of the things that, that Frank Reich liked about bringing him in that his reliability and the first, uh, and he, he showed he's reliable 
um, doing exactly what the Colts asked him to do. 17 of 21, incredibly efficient day, 217 yards passing and a touchdown. So he found Mo Cox a bit. He found T.Y. a little bit. I think we'd still like to see uh, T.Y. a little bit more, but a, a good, efficient, cl- uh, clean-cut day for Phillip Rivers, uh, doing exactly what was asked for him and not making the mistake to keep the Jets in the game that uh, we, we've seen too often in the past. Yeah, it's 227 consecutive starts. I believe I think Favre's the only one with the better. And I might be his, right. I've got his number right there, but but you know it's it's you know it goes back to you know good old Reggie Wayne, the best ability is availability. So, so that's what you want. And I think if you talk to any player who's played long, they take the most pride in being there in practice in a game. And uh, I think that's what we see from Philip. And again, he's at the point in his career that every every few weeks he's going to pass somebody. And whenever whenever the group you're in with is like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Favre, and Breeze, and, and, and Marino, I mean, when, when you're sixth on that list, uh, if if you don't take pride in it, you should. Pretty darn good. Let's look around the NFL for news this week, but we'll start in Indy. And it's a shame, Mike, that Joe cannot be with us today because we cannot give Chad Kelly justice. I'm sure he could himself. But Chad Kelly uh, cut from the Colts practice squad. The uh, the swag experiment is over. It is uh, unfortunate for Chad. Frank Reich says that they love him. They still really like him. But you, you can still really like a player and know that uh, you really don't want him to be on even your practice squad right now. You know, I, I, I'm going to make a prediction that we're going to see him back here. Oh, hey. At some point, not, not not next week, but I just think at some point they, they, they will bring him back on the practice squad. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy, though, the way Frank talked. We really like him. We really he didn't say like he said, love him. Yeah. Yet you can't find a place for him on a 16-man practice squad. Uh, I realize they're, they're dinged up at receiver, and we'll see about tight end. I think Trey Burton's got a chance to play this week, but, uh, and you know, you're carrying a kicker, an extra kicker, but 16, 16 spots. If you really, really, really like somebody and and you don't want to get rid of them, I would think you can find a spot on a 16 man practice. Well, but I just think at some point, because Frank sort of said something like, well, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. So I'm not shutting the door on the, uh, on the swag experiment. Maybe they're going to wait till Joe's back. Maybe that's what this is all about. <laughs> Giving him a break along with Joe, right? Yeah, One week know. off and we'll see if he comes back next week. But now I, I think the move came in conjunction. You mentioned the, uh, the dings up at wide receiver. They brought in uh Krishan Hogan, who should be familiar to, to Colts fans. He's been here before. Also central Indiana football fans. He played his high school ball at Warren central played in college at Marion university, right in, uh, in Indianapolis. Um, so it's, uh, it's good to see Krishan back. Always, uh, always happy to see him. But um, yeah, yeah I, well, I'll touch. I'll say one more thing about Chad, and I guess with Jacob Eason too. If you have four quarterbacks in practice, it's just really hard to to get the to get everyone some snaps and to get everyone looks and to get everyone in and to develop a guy. So uh, more to your point, Mike, if you're dinged up at one position, like, what's the possible solution? Do do you get rid of a guy who's maybe a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman from your practice squad, or do you get rid of the guy who's probably not taking too many snaps in practice? The guy who's, who's not, not doing all that much. So that's probably what it came in. In my opinion, that seems like it's probably what it came down to in the Chad Kelly case. That's a good point because again, you, 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 you do want to get Eason some reps. So the fourth guy, I understand a fourth guy in training camp because you're, you're getting more work done during the week and there's two practices someday and all that. Yeah, and this one, I mean, what, what's he doing? Uh, it, it's and, and like you said, if if the other three quarterbacks are healthy, your fourth guy is getting very little done. So you can have another lineman, offensive lineman or whatever, that it makes more sense. And, and as far as availability, Chad Kelly was available. He, he was basically a free agent anyway. Guys that are on your practice squad are free agents. So, I mean, he, he, was, at, he was available then, he's available now, so – it's probably a case of they don't uh, worry too much about another team signing him. Uh, so I, I, I guess I'd go back and say what your point is probably correct is what was he getting done in practice? Not, not nothing against him, 
but four quarterbacks during the week, it's very hard to get everybody snaps. And around the league, probably our most significant update as of yet in uh, our COVID-19 discussion that's been going on since March. We knew this wasn't going to be a normal NFL season, and it hasn't been a normal NFL season just in terms of logistics and getting things done. But now the NFL's pre orders are probably coming into motion a little bit as the Titans and Steelers game has been postponed. Here's the timeline. On Sunday, the Titans traveled to Minnesota, but... Their defensive play caller, Shane Bowen, did not travel with them. He was in COVID protocol. Uh, On Tuesday, we learned that three Titans players and five personnel members tested positive. And therefore, both Tennessee and Minnesota, who they played last week, shut down all in-person activities at their team headquarters. Then comes Wednesday. One more Tennessee Titans player tested positive. And then the NFL postponed the Tennessee Pittsburgh game uh, from Sunday. At that point, Wednesday, they had hoped to play it either Monday or Tuesday, but that's how we got through Wednesday. On Thursday, which is how we record the podcast today, the NFL has decided to postpone the Tennessee and Pittsburgh game to later in the year. There's nothing official yet, but I saw it wouldn't be that complicated if they just switch up a Pittsburgh Ravens game like week seven and week eight and then slide the Pittsburgh um, uh, Tennessee game in there. So it wouldn't be a ton of moving pieces if you go that route. Um, but again, that's not official. They just, we just know it's not going to be this weekend. And also today, uh, th- I think the best news from this, Mike, is the Minnesota Vikings were able to open up their practice facilities after no positive tests on Wednesday. So even though a couple of, of Tennessee players, t- uh, they did not, it doesn't appear like the infection spread to the team they were playing just a couple days ago. So I think, like I said, that's great news. It is only one instance but still, I think that uh, the NFL can can breathe a little sigh of relief that this is only one team. And hopefully, hopefully we uh, nipped it in the bud here. But certainly a, a significant week as the NFL battles uh, COVID during this international pandemic. And, and I'll be the glass half empty guy. <laughs> you, you are encouraged. And I think we're encouraged. We've gotten this far with, with with no disruptions. And now we have this. But it's it's week four. And it's one game. What happens in week six if this happens? And then it's not going to be as easy to, to reschedule. Are you going to have, you know, I guess worst case, not worst case, but a bad case is will you have a team play 15 games this year? Because this isn't like sending the Cincinnati Reds to Wrigley Field on a Wednesday to make up a rainout. It's not that easy. So uh, I, I guess it, to me it's a cautionary thing to where, Look what can happen. And we talked to some players today and with the Colts, and it was asked, is this a wake-up call? And not so much a wake-up call, but but sort of a reminder that, you know, it's right outside the door. COVID is right there. It's in the city. It's in the state. It's, it's everywhere. And if you're not really diligent, and I'm not saying that the Titans weren't, because we don't know how, we, we don't know the genesis of this, but it just shows you the the, the 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 difficulty that they're trying of what they're trying to do when when you have players 60 players 60 almost 70 players on every team going home every night all the coaches going home every night and then coming back and then on the road so they're really trying again kudos to what they've done to this point but to think this wasn't going to happen was naive i think i think that to think this is not going to happen again is naive. And the more, obviously the more times it happens and the later it happens, it's going to be very difficult to reschedule games. Uh, But, but again, you just cross your fingers and and do the protocols and you hope that this is the one aberration knowing that it probably isn't. Yeah. I know that I saw some Steelers fans who are now upset that they might have to play 13 straight games after an early bye week. But I mean, geez, you you know, going into this year that this year is going to be not normal and it might hit your team. It might hit another team. So, I mean, I can understand a, a fan's perspective on, oh, shoot, we're going to have to play or even a player's perspective or a coach's perspective saying, well, this is not ideal. But, well, 2020 is not ideal for anybody right now. Well, but then the argument I've seen and, and I give some credence to it is. Why should the Steelers be penalized because the Titans have had this problem? So I don't know if that means 
they should get a forfeit or whatever. Or, or the one reason you have a 16-man practice squad is that you replace the players you've lost. If you do the te- this, this quick testing turnaround and you are convinced on Thursday that only, what was it, five players? Four players, five players? What? I think it was, yeah, five players. Okay. That's what that's what the practice squad's for is to replace right. those players. Now, now, if you're convinced that you've got the everyone at, out of the building and in quarantine that needs to be, then play the game Monday or Tuesday. And, and, and you know, is that work against Tennessee? Well, yeah, it does. But like you said, this is going to be an unfair scenario anyway. So, so why penalize a team that had nothing to do with this? Uh, so I, I see it both ways. But again, my only problem is is if this happens again later on, it's it's going to be difficult to reschedule these games. Yeah, I think Mike Tomlin might have uh, your opinion in the matter or uh, the same. Uh... Uh, slightly upset, but he he, he said, uh, th- I read this on an NFL.com article, and I, you can kind of read between the lines, at least I could. He's saying, my opinion does not matter. We take marching orders from the National Football League. We understand they're acting in our collective best interest. So um, for the for the league, it's probably their best interest to do what they're doing. But uh, yeah, for the Steelers, who knows? Maybe if we get later in the season, like like you were saying earlier, this is probably not the la- last time this is going to happen. The uh, the scenarios will change that they can't make a simple switcheroo in a couple weeks. So they'll have to go to the practice squad, get the right people out of the building and insert those people in. So um, that's uh, it's probably a, a little bit of a combination of of both both little scenarios uh, right there. So um, so that's one uh, COVID-19 update for this week. Another one. Uh, if you thought the NFL was uh, hemming and hawing at all about uh, the uh, mask mandate on the sidelines, well, the league came out this week. I believe it was Troy Vincent, uh, the uh, representative for the NFL, saying that you have to wear masks on the sidelines, those who have to, or face a possible suspension for that person, whether it's a coach or whatever, or draft pick loss. Mike, we were talking about big fines over the previous weeks for both the head coach and the teams after several head coaches were seen on sidelines. Um, And as we've said in the past, optics being important in this scenario, even though everybody down there is tested negative for COVID. Um, Frank Reich has said the optics of it are important just to be be an example to everyone who's watching. But if um, if you don't wear a mask now, like. I couldn't imagine a defensive coordinator for uh, for who for the Philadelphia Eagles being suspended because he's not wearing a mask or if it happens multiple times like uh, the the New Orleans Saints losing a third round draft pick because Sean Payton still isn't wearing a mask or something. But the the NFL, like I said, if you thought the NFL uh, wasn't being serious about it before, well, now, you know, they're being even more serious now, like really, really laying the lumber about this issue. Yeah, I think it's one of those to where. You get the coaches that are sitting in there to listen to the league. You know, we're, we're going to find you. And they just sort of nod their heads. And then when the word suspension comes up, they, they quit nodding and, and their eyebrows raise. And then when you say draft picks, you really get their attention. So I'm, I'm not sloughing off a $100,000 fine to a coach, but a suspension in, in draft picks. There was a – I don't remember the particulars, but remember the league got – this week the league got – uh, it was brought to their attention. Went to a charity event. Uh, a lot of the players, and there were times they weren't wearing a mask, and that caught the league's attention. So it, it's one of those that, again, maybe only a month into the season, you need the reminder that listen, guys, th- th- this is this is going to be the way it is through February, and you can't have uh, the, the the complacency or whatever you want to call it. And again, the Colts made it very clear that they don't. And, and they won't, and they understand the sacrifice. But, uh, yeah, when they start throwing around suspensions and draft picks, it gets everybody's attention. So now let's turn our attention to the future, and the Colts' immediate future is the Chicago Bears. On TV Sunday, 1 o'clock, broadcast on CBS4 here in central Indiana. The Colts will travel to Chicago to face the 3-0 and Bears. On the injury report this week, that's where, we'll start. That's where we will start. And we'll start with the Colts. Their Wednesday injury report had wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. as a do not did not participate in practice with a calf injury. And what we learned on Monday from head coach Frank Reich was uh, Pittman had surgery on Sunday night for something called compartment syndrome, which means you have some pressure buildup from internal bleeding or swelling of the tissues. 
And for Pittman, that was with uh, one of his legs. And coach uh, says no timetable for his return. So, Mike, that's it doesn't sound good. But if you're able to relieve the uh, internal pressure and I, I don't know if this is I, I don't know. if I, It doesn't sound like something that would be a six week injury, maybe more like a two or three week injury. That That's that's me at not being a medical professional at all. Just sounding trying to use a little bit of common sense to to figure out how serious this is. But of course, it depends on how serious it was. Anytime you cut somebody open, it's, it's not minor. Yeah, it's this it, 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 this brought back a memory when I was pitching in American Legion ball back in the day when I was 17 or 18. And I got hit in the shin, the left shin by a line drive. And it hurt like heck. But you just, you know, you rub dirt on it. Well, that night, it still hurt like heck. And then all of a sudden, it started ballooning up my shin. I mean, a balloon. Yeah. So now the old mom didn't take me to the hospital that night. The next morning she did. And the doctor, I don't know if it was, he didn't call it that. That's what it was. Yeah. He basically, when they say relieve the pressure, they, they took a scalpel and they lanced my leg. Yeah. And they, and they, not to get too graphic, but then they squeeze out all of the bad stuff. So, yeah, I, I think it, barring it being something more, this is probably a couple of weeks. But it's it's one that if you don't catch right away, it can be serious. So, uh, but I think you plan on the Colts without Michael Pittman for a couple of weeks, and we don't know about Paris Campbell. He had the procedure yesterday. He had two damaged ligaments in his knee. I think we're, we're we've got to be thinking at least after the bye for that, at least maybe even December. So that's why if they can get Trey Burton back this week, he's missed the first three games with the calf injury. It would help immensely. They we, they are one injury at receiver from being right where they were last year mm-hmm. with, with guys. You know, Dontrell Inman. Remember they got him yep. second year in a row. So uh, they need to sort of keep these receivers healthy if they can, and it's a tough thing to do. I saw Inman catch touchdown last weekend. I saw a highlight. I think he's with the Washington football team or something. I, I don't know exactly what it is. If you can play at a decent level, you can stick around for a long time. That's truth. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Paris Campbell with his surgery or his procedures, the word the Colts technically use. Uh, so he's certainly out. And uh, also Trey Burton returned to practice. That was a full participant in practice on Wednesday. Wasn't even listed on the injury report. So I think that's certainly an encouraging sign looking forward to this weekend. Uh, Sheldon Day also returned to practice, was not listed on Wednesday's injury report. Uh, encouraging for the defensive line as well, which I think has played pretty good even without him. You've seen Taylor Stallworth even in, in, in very limited roles still play big around the goal line. I think he had he had a couple of big plays against, I think it was the Vikings um, a couple weeks ago that he just showed up in the middle of the line or right in the middle of the backfield and made some good plays. So uh, adding Sheldon Day there will be just a benefit to the, the depth of the defensive line. And also Rocky Seen was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday returning. I'm sure they're just bringing him along slowly from his stomach illness, whatever it is, an illness that is not. He, he had a procedure. I think they told us he had a procedure. Yep, had a procedure on that stomach. So whether that's like this is pure speculation, an appendectomy or a gallbladder or something, it was not football related. It popped up the morning of the game and uh, it was it was not like not a football injury. It sounds like a medical uh, medical thing that popped up and. Uh, our friend Bob Kravitz of the Athletics saw him getting uh, getting wheelied out uh, to a, to a hospital or to a uh, to an ambulance to go to the hospital in the uh, bowels of Lucas Oil Stadium that day, and uh, from there we knew, oh, Rock's probably not going to play, uh, so but Rock Rock is back. And um, one more player on the Colts injury report from Wednesday that was running back Naheem Hines limited with a shoulder as well, but again just limited. Um, you will keep you through, uh, updated throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dave G underscore sports. Mike is at M chapel 51. Joe Hopkins might be tweeting pictures of himself with a pina colada by the beach somewhere, but you can follow him at Roto street. Joe, that's great. And also follow us as a whole at Colts blue zone as well. As for the bears, their injury report is, um, it's nothing really significant. Uh, defensive back Sharik McManus had a hamstring injury last week. He's a special teamer, did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Uh, defensive back Dion Bush, who is a starter at safety, has a groin injury, uh, limited participate on Wednesday. 
And uh, one name that every NFL fan will know is Khalil Mack is on the injury report limited with a knee injury. But, Mike, that's his fourth straight week on the injury report with a knee injury. So I, I don't think Philip Rivers has any uh, any idea that Khalil Mack will not be lining up opposite him. We're going to see him on Sunday for sure. A bunch of others listed as full participants, but still with injuries here and there. The, the most significant injury that happened to the Bears from last week to this week is running back, kick returner, punt returner, Tariq Cohen tore his ACL last Sunday. Uh, announced by coach head coach Matt Nagy. He's out for the season. So uh, Mike very much in a Naheem Hines role is Tariq Cohen. He showed the past couple of years that he can be explosive with the ball as a pass catcher out of the backfield from the backfield, running the ball as well, but also do real damage in the return game. So that's, that's a significant loss for, for the bears, especially going up against a Colts team that has been exceptional in winning the field position battle so far this year. Tariq Cohen would have been a wild card in that scenario. You don't have him. It's going to be much tougher to uh, to battle with the Colts in an area that they have been really, really good at through the first three weeks of the season. Of course, you still have Cordero Patterson, who's who's elite, an yes. elite kick returner. He, yes, he's good point. We're talking, we were talking to Frank Reich, and he said, you know, a lot of times with a lot of teams, if they get the ball in the end zone, they just t- they just take the knee or let it go, get the ball to 25. He said, with this guy, he'll bring it out at any time. And he's huge. He's, he's, he's what is he, 6'2", 6'3", 225 or so. So not not your usual Naheem Hines type, type scat back. So, But, I, I, again, I like the way the Colts special teams are playing. They're, they're really, what they're doing is interesting. A lot, about half the time, they're forcing teams to return the kick by kicking it at the one or two yard line or whatever and confident to your, your coverage guys. And one thing that's interesting, we wrote about Sanchez this week. He he doesn't qualify for the league punting stats because he hasn't punted enough. (laughs) He's got six punts, four four of them down inside the 20. There's the Colts have yet to give up a return yard in punts. So I, I like the way they're playing. They'll be tested this week. Hey, that more to your point on Sanchez like that, that is supremely difficult and more difficult than any NFL just regular fan will know to kick off the ball and have it come down at the two yard line. Like he he does it every time. And what was really impressive to me, Mike was last week after the penalty, like the Colts had 15 extra yards. They kicked off from the 50. He did it again. Like he was able to take 15 yards off his kick and still landed it at the two and the Colts return unit was was on the the Jets returner at, when he was at the like the five. It, it wasn't fair uh, for, for for their return team at all. It is like Rigo has been tremendous in this so far for the Colts. And and as you have mentioned, you have a story on that online Fox 59.com CBS 4 Indy.com. I encourage all you listeners out there to go on and check it out and uh, get Rodrigo, give Rodrigo his due in spite of uh, some little um, what's it called? A uh, little use so far this season. Yeah, it's, it's funny. We ask. Uh... Philip Rivers about Sanchez and you know he calls him a weapon and he 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 hearkened back to his days in San Diego when Cam Cameron his coordinator the IU guy and Terre Haute product he said we've got a kicker here that's pretty good this was back in like 2006 it was Mike Cyphers and I was at the game it was a 2008 wild card game in San Diego and Cyphers the punter had six punts all inside the 20, I think four inside the 10. He won the game. He, he absolutely won the game. Four, I think three or four of the kicks were inside the seven. And Peyton just could not overcome the bad field position. So uh, Rivers knows how a punter can turn a game around. And, you know, that's, again, it's everything we talk about stat-wise, it's three games. It, it's, you know, right. Now, right. At, some point, at some point it's not a small sample size. I don't know whether that's a month or, or what it is, but I, again, I'd rather have my guys playing well the first three weeks, like the defense or the kicker, as opposed to boy, now we've had a bad month. Let, let's it's kind of like the baseball player who has a bad month and he's batting 160. It's tougher to pull yourself out of it, but there are, there th- th- there's work to be done, but there's a lot of areas on this team that you just have to be encouraged with. As you look over across the sideline to the Chicago Bears this week, there will be one significant change when they take the field for the first time against the Colts, and that is the man under center. Former second overall pick Mitchell Trubisky benched in the third quarter last week as the Bears were down 16 to the Falcons. The Falcons proceeded to do what they do best, lose, 
And uh, Nick Foles came in, proceeded to do what he does best, lead the comeback and get the glory. Three fourth quarter touchdown passes for Foles. Head coach Matt Nagy has now named Nick Foles the starting quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky is the backup. And as we've said many times, even on this podcast before, Mike, like Trubisky is his his shortcomings are magnified because of the successes of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, who were both taken after him in that year's NFL draft a couple years ago. Uh, but if you have a backup quarterback, Nick Foles might have been the best backup quarterback in the NFL, former Super Bowl champion himself. Uh, but now he's going to be the starter uh, when when the Colts face him on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Heck, there are very few also coaches who know uh, an opposing quarterback better than Frank Reich will know Nick Foles and his strengths and his weaknesses and what he likes to do with the ball. So uh, it, it given that knowledge. It could be a challenging day for Nick Foles if the Colts defense is able to execute uh, from the knowledge that Frank Reich has. We will see. But it is a significant change. But nevertheless, it's one that gave the Bears, Mike, a ton of momentum last week. And they're going to carry that momentum into Sunday afternoon's game. Again, not following the Bears other than know they've come back three games and done things they, should, they shouldn't do. My only question is, so their commitment to Trubisky wasn't that strong? I mean, Doesn't seem like it. Three and zero, and in officially, Trubisky's three and zero as a starter. Right. Uh, and normally, it seems like okay, he he struggled, put in the the backup, and then go back to Trubisky. So th- this tells me that they just weren't all in. But whatever they saw in, in to, to to make the choice coming out of training camp, it wasn't he's our guy. You know. Come hell or high water, he's our guy. It was like he's our guy now. Right. Uh, and what happens? Maybe you you forget very quickly if you're a coach or whatever. How do you go back to Trubisky now and say, yeah, you're you're our guy. Well, you know, you're really our guy now. So I think it it creates a bad situation. I saw where Nagy said, well, you know, both guys handle it very well. But how do you expect? What, what's he expect Trubisky to do? Throw his helmet? Right. So so. Uh, but you're right. Frank knows him as well as anyone. Even Nick Foles said that in Philly that Frank really, he, they, they sort of connected. He, he said, Frank got me, knew what I could do. So uh, at the same time, Nick's been with, is this three teams in three years? Yeah, it was. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, four and five, three and three and three, I think it is. Yeah. So there's something there about that. Yep. Uh, you know, he was beaten out or, or deemed expendable in Jacksonville by Gardner Minshew. I, I realize, I, I guess maybe the the price tag had something to it. I don't know. He kind of got Wally Pipp there a little bit, too. I mean, he got hurt and Minshew came in and everybody got excited about him. And the Jaguars need excitement. They really do. And so they, that might have played into that as well. I don't know. Yeah, no, he was he was Owen Ford's a starter. I, I think when he, he when was he yeah. in there, he didn't play well. What was it? Uh, three, uh, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, but, but still, if if you're a top tier quarterback, this this is a Super Bowl champion. You generally aren't with three teams in three years. So there's something there that whatever it is. And again, I don't follow the Bears enough. I don't follow Trubisky enough. There's or uh, Foles enough. But three teams in three years, it, it's it says something. I, and I don't know what that something is. I follow the city of Philadelphia sports pretty well since I grew up there. So, I mean, I, I look back and there was there was a feeding frenzy for local radio, especially last week, because the Eagles fell to 0 two and one. And Carson Wentz did not have a good game against the Bengals. And then Nick Foles comes in the fourth quarter, throws three touchdowns and leads the Bears to to a come from behind win. So it was, it was not pretty in the city of Philadelphia because of the success of Nick Foles last week. Let me just tell you that. Um, but uh, focusing more on the Colts and the Bears, the Colts do go into this game on the road as uh, as favorites, uh, according to DraftKings, two and a half point favorites. The over under listed at 43. So, Mike, that means they're predicting about a 23 to 20. Uh, final score there. We'll get to our predictions in just a little bit, but that's just a little. That's just what the uh, the experts are saying. And so through three games, the Bears' offense is uh, nothing to write home about. They're in the bottom bottom half of the league, 20th in points scored, 24.7 per game. But Mike, where they excel on offense is the fourth quarter. And you've touched on their comebacks. 
they are averaging nearly two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, 13.7 points per game. And what really even makes that more impressive is they were dead last in the NFL last year in fourth quarter points. They scored about three points per game. So this is a Bears team that early on in the season, again, has made a dramatic turnaround to be able to to kind of come together late and to, to rally and to pursue um, pursue a win. They've been able to do it three times. That offense, even though it's quiet for the first three quarters, uh, if you're the Colts defense, you you can't let up if you have a little lead late. And I think you've certainly learned that through the first couple weeks. Yeah, look at uh, first three quarters, thirty-three points, and then forty-one in the fourth. So yep. I, that, that that's a great storyline and all that. You just you just can't make a living coming back from double-digit uh, deficits in, in the fourth quarter because it's you got to do so much right. And that's what you're you're right. That's where you can't let a team hang around and hang around. Uh, or the, the Falcons, it's it's <laughs> amazing what they've done. It, it's just amazing. It, 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 they've turned into a verb. Well, they just falconed it. <laughs> so, but not but, a good one. Not a not good a verb. Good one. So again, I, I I like the idea of the Colts going in there, and we haven't talked about it yet. But it's it's the, their first time back to Chicago since 2012, with the way the NFL schedule is. It's every eight years you play a team twice, barring divisional matchups and all that, and once at home, once on the road. And the last time they were in Chicago, Chuck Pagano was the coach. Uh, and, and as he told us today, we talked to him. He said, "Yeah, we got rolled pretty good, mm-hmm. but uh, you know now he's their coordinator, so they know him to some extent. He certainly knows you know, the Jack Doyles and the T.Y. Hilton, so it should be a fun day." Yeah, I, I I don't think that Chuck would have the the inside scoop necessarily on this Colts team since right. there's been so much turnaround uh, since he's gone. But uh, on his defense, the Bears rank. Uh, they're, they're okay. They're ninth in points allowed. They're averaging 20 points per game allowed, but kind of middle tier, 15th to 17th in rush yards, pass yards, total yards. Um, again, they have six sacks on the year through three games, which is actually tied for the fifth most in the league. Um, they're middle tier in takeaways, but where, where they excel as a defense, I, I was trying to like really dive into the stats just to find out how what, what what's they're special about. And they're the number one defense in the NFL in completion percentage allowed. So they are allowing about 56 percent of passes to be completed. And if you're the Colts, I mean, Philip Rivers has been the opposite of that. He's been supremely efficient, uh, especially the past couple weeks uh, in the wins. Uh, last week, going 17 for 21, completing uh, he's he's completing like 80 percent, nearly 80 percent of his 70, passes. 78 three. Yep. There you go. So so that that's going to be a big a big to do, I think, on Sunday. Can the Bears can the Bears disrupt what the Colts want to do on offense. Um, they, they've played teams that like to push the ball, I think, a little bit more down the field than the Colts like to maybe move it a little bit more methodically, and they're willing to throw it to the backs or the tight ends close to the line of scrimmage uh, and then hit you deep more so later. Um, like the Falcons, you have guys like Julio and uh, and Ridley who you want to you hit 15, 20 yards down the field. Um, and that's kind of the the bread and butter more so of your offense to try to get those big chunk plays. The Colts want chunk plays, obviously, but they they get they eventually get to that. Um, I think they have a different manner of trying to get them than uh, than some of the other teams the Bears have faced so far. So I think the Colts offense is a different animal than the Bears have faced. So maybe that gives them a little bit more of a, a reason to that Colts fans shouldn't look at that stat and immediately be like, oh, boy, it's going to be tough sledding for the offense this weekend. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, if that's a key to the game, then uh, Rivers near 80 percent completion percentage facing the Bears number one completion percentage defense. We've, we've got to maybe start with that if we're talking, hey, if you want to, to be able to win this game, you need to keep up the with the efficiency that you've performed with so far, Mike. Well, maybe that goes to the strength of the Colts, the offensive line against the Bears strength, which is they've got three elite pass rushers mm-hmm. with Mack and Quinn and Akeem Nicks, uh, Hicks. It's funny that Hicks is the ones having the best year right now, three and a half sacks. Yep. S- seven uh, pressures. And I looked at it. He he he's six three, three forty seven. So maybe he and Quentin can do some sumo. Right. Line, uh, at some point, but if if this and this offense, the Colts offensive line, here we go jinxing them. They've given up three sacks. And let's remember, one of them was Jacoby Brissett on that gadget play in Jacksonville that didn't work. And one is when Rivers wasn't fast enough 
when he scrambled, scrambled in quotes, and he, and he got no uh, yards uh, when he ran out of bounds. So they've really given up one legit sack in three games. It's been, you know, I, I think the run blocking is still not there, but pass protection has been pretty good, been pretty good. So I think that's one of the reasons, you know, it, the protection has been good. And like you mentioned, the, the Colts are getting the ball out quicker, sort of what they did with, with Brissett last year, to where it's they're, they're trying to use timing what will take an occasional shot. But if they can keep Rivers upright and, and not force him to use his non-speed, this is a game they can still maybe the, the death by a thousand paper cuts from the Colts to where they can, they can be more efficient and finish drives, which they've, they've not done thus far. And now with the return of Trey Burton likely to the lineup, you get another weapon at tight end, another guy you think can really contribute to that shorter passing game, uh, whether it's Jack Doyle or him or Mo Alley. Uh, the, you look around the league, Mike, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better one, two, three group of tight ends, especially with what uh, Alley Cox has been able to do through these first couple weeks. So that's that's Philip Rivers' best friends right now is those tight ends and what they've been able to do. Yeah, show of hands, you thought Mo Ali Cox would be your leading receiver after three games. I mean, yeah, my, my, my hands are not mom, up. Other than Mo's mom, nobody. Okay. So, and what's interesting is I go back to training camp, and I'm telling you, when we watch these guys go on offense, Trey Burton was the guy. He's the one that was making the plays down down the middle of the field, not, not over the top deep, but the intermediate things. And then to lose him for three games was a big blow. And uh, common sense tells you that with Burton back, if he plays this week, which he would love to because it didn't work out in Chicago for him. But the common sense says that if Burton's back, then that's less for Mo. And Nick Sirianni made it clear. Mo's doing too much to all of a sudden not be involved. I think I saw I, I looked it up, and I think I've got it right, that Jack Doyle came back last week after missing the previous game with a knee injury. No targets, no catches. I think he, I think it broke a streak of 55 straight games where he had at least a catch. So wow. that was unusual for him. And, and I know people say, well, maybe it was a pitch count. And this, if you're out there for 30 some plays, you know, to to not be targeted to me was strange. But again, you only throw the ball 21 times, and Mo's effective. So this is another one where you you've got to be creative and keeping all three of these guys at, or involved. Again, if if Burton plays. Because all of them bring something to the offense. So if that's one key to the game, keeping it efficient with Rivers on offense, another one kind of maybe in line with that a bit is stay on the field. The Colts, we've mentioned there, you mentioned right at the beginning of the show, their uh, their third down uh, troubles. They're actually 32nd, dead last in the NFL in 30%, third down. 30%. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yep. And, 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 and you haven't had to read out. <laughs> right, right. So it, it, it's in in the they're trying to rationalize, well, it's you know the old small sample size again and all that, but it is what it is. And one of the, one of the issues, I'm not saying problems, issues is third down's not Ben Rivers' best down. His pass rating is like 50 on third down. And the first two downs, he's off the charts. So some of it's that they're not running the ball, like I said, really well. They've had some third and shorts that, have, that haven't been effective. So, again, I think this is something that will get better. And, again, you talk about keys to the game. The Bears haven't been very good stopping the run. They're giving up five yards a carry. Yep. And I'm still waiting for that game. We had the one against the Vikings with, when Taylor really got a workload. Was it 26 carries for 101 yep. yards, whatever it was? And then last week they really divvied it up with he and, and Hines. I, I, I'd really like to see them commit. To Taylor and let him get those. I'm not saying 26 every game, but let him get out there and get it where he's going to have that chance to break one or two or three in the course of a game. And getting it 10, 11 times a game, it really doesn't give you that op- opportunity. Yeah, and and the the shorter those third downs are, the easier it is to convert them. Obviously, you want to see third and three out there, uh, not not third and ten and third and twelve if you lose a, uh, a couple yards on a play or two. Um, we've mentioned uh, Rigoberto Sanchez a couple times. If you want to um, have another key, make the Bears drive the length of the field. The offense is not anything uh, tremendous so far. And you've got a new quarterback coming in as experienced as Foles is. I mean, he's still not uh, he still was a backup quarterback to start the year. 
So try to make him start from inside the 10 every drive, like we've been saying. I mean, Rigo's done that. Last year, he last week, rather, he had four punts. Three of them were inside the 10. Um, his other one was just because he weren't close enough to get it that far. Um, and do do the same thing as we've said on kickoff returns as well. Try to uh, try to make him return. Um, I mean, you might be playing a little bit with fire with Corderell Patterson, but I think your unit has done really well um, to to be able to get down and cover. And it's a strength on strength matchup. So I don't think you can show weakness or show that you're scared by just kicking it out of the end zone. I think you still try to keep on doing what you're doing, what you've proven you're good at, even if the other team is pretty good at it, too. Hey, we're, you're going to kick it. Um, try to put it down inside the five or like you say, my Corderell will take it out from the back of the end. So it doesn't matter. So put it where uh, he will return it and then see what happens. So try, try to pin him deep and win the field position battle. It's something that maybe the Colts have been better at than most, if not all teams in the NFL this year. So that's a key again. Yeah. It's, it's what they, you know, it's the hidden yardage they talk about and, and the field position swing. And the, you know, it's, it's common sense that the, the longer you make a team drive, you know, if, if it's inside the 20, it just adds a first down on what they have to do. So, again, very encouraged by what they've done so far. And I I would really like to see this offense, yes, be more explosive, I guess. But I'm, I'm okay with, with, with the short stuff to some degree. But you've got to finish drives. You, you Again, kicking kick field goals, you're letting a team hang around. And, and we haven't talked about it yet, but. Blank, Blankenship, I, I'm, I'm not there where I'm totally on board trusting him. He's hit the uprights three times. I've been fortunate on one of them that it, that it went through on a, on a PAT. So they're going to, you know, they've again, they're, they're saying, hey, he's a, he's a rookie. He's making progress and all kickers miss. And that that's rationalizing. But you, you miss too many more early on. And, and all of a sudden there, there is concern. It's not there yet, but make your kicks. That would be nice to to not worry about a kicker right. uh, once or twice. That'd be fantastic. Um, on defense, heck, if you rattle fulls, he's good in the pocket, but not as great when he's forced to improvise. He's not obviously not Deshaun Watson. He's not even Mitchell Trubisky in that, who has a little bit more of a uh, escapability and he can do things a little bit better on the fly. I think Foles is best when he has a clean pocket in front of him. So if you uh, see to force Buckner in the middle pushing uh, and getting uh, getting middle pressure on Nick Foles, that's that's the best possible thing that the Colts defense can get because it could lead to bad decisions. It could lead to more interceptions. Heck, three turnovers the last two weeks um, for, for the Colts defense, and they turned two of them into touchdowns last week. Whenever the defense scores 16 points for you, you're going to win a whole heck of a lot of games. So try to keep momentum going in that area. And um, if uh, if you're able to do that, then you're you're following the blueprint to win. So. Uh, we said earlier Vegas's uh, odds that the Colts are slight favorites, predicting somewhat around a 23 to 20 finish. Um, I'm going to predict uh, we'll, we don't have uh, Joe's prediction this week. We might have to uh, get that from him on the way back from Punta Cana or whatever, wherever the heck he is uh, this weekend on his honeymoon. Congratulations again to Joe. I thought he was going to Logansport. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. He, he's, he's spending some time in Logansport then traveling over to Muncie. Uh, and uh, and he'll, he'll be back here eventually. But um, I'm going to pick this week and i know everyone's out there listening like we we've picked the colts a lot but again the start of the colts schedule is much easier than what the colts schedule is going to be coming up after the bye so i'm just i'm saying that i am picking the colts again this week but here are my reasons i i I don't think it's it's uh it's homerish that we've all picked the colts who knows mike might not even pick the colts this week so i might be going on this diatribe for no reason but I think the Colts match up well against the Bears in the fact that, um, like I've talked this entire podcast about winning the uh, field position battle, some of the Colts have been really good at this year. I don't think the Bears have the offense to drive the field multiple times throughout the game. And the Bears have found themselves trailing, 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 then forcing themselves to come back. I think this Colts defense is really going to be really tough to come back on because of the pressure the defensive line has been able to get on the quarterback and because of the opportunistic nature of the secondary. Xavier Rhodes has shown more than once that he is willing to, uh, maybe more than once to his detriment at times, to take a risk and uh, to, to leave his man and to go get a ball. And uh, sometimes it looks really good. There have been other times this year that it has not looked really good throughout the first three weeks of the season. But I think if you're the Bears and you fall down by two scores, in the fourth quarter and you're trying to come back and the Colts defense knows you're trying to come back. I just don't think that's a 
that's a beneficial excuse me, uh, scenario for them to be in. I think it's more beneficial for the Colts. So like I said, I think the Colts match up a little bit better against the Bears this weekend. I do think it's going to be close. I say it's going to be, I, I have it around a 17 to 16 ball game. I like, I, I really think it's going to be interesting at the end of the day. Um, I think the Colts uh, def- offense Will not be tremendous in Chicago by any stretch of the imagination. I do think the Bears can do some damage with their guys up front. Um, but that, that's my pick, 17-16. I think it's a low-scoring game up in Chicago. and uh, But I do have the Colts coming out on top with the win at the end of the day. So, Mike, what do you think about the, this game as the Colts face the Bears in Chicago on Sunday? I like the matchup as well. And, I, and I, I, I've, got, I've got the Colts 23-20. to 20. But again, it's it, it's it's sort of based on that. I still think this is a le- legitimate playoff team, and if it is, these are the games they have to win. They, they already let the Jacksonville game get away. To let this one get away would really make it tough in, in the long run when when things do tighten up. Who knows? Maybe some of the teams we we think are going to be better near the end of the year aren't, but some of those teams later on have shown they are. So I think if you're a legitimate team, if you are who you think you are, you find a way to to make that kick. Again, 23-20 means Blankenship's got to make a kick or two. Yep. It matters. And and don't have the turnovers. And, I, I, again, I, I think Rivers, I think we were all concerned after the first game with the two. Uh, I, I just think he's going to be efficient. He's not going to complete 80% of his passes against his defense. He's, he's not. But I think I think this is the game you can control to some point with your running game if they run it. Use the tight ends. I just think, like you said, it's going to be a game. Not a lot of big swings, yeah, but a few big plays. And I just think they find a way to make those few big plays. You can help us out by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you have any Colts or NFL-related questions, we'd be happy to answer them for you. You can submit those to us on Twitter just Tag us at Colts Blue Zone and we'll get to them. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at M Chappell 51. Joe Hopkins, may he be enjoying his honeymoon, is at Roto Street Joe. So we thank you for listening to this newest episode of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We hope you tune in to the Colts this weekend, especially if you're in central Indiana. Check them out against the Bears on CBS 4, broadcast at 1 p.m. Sunday afternoon. And our Blue Zone pregame show, of course, airs at 11.30 a.m. in central Indiana on CBS 4 as well. So we thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next week.